Let's pray this morning. Lord, we come to you, the living word. We pray, O Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would illuminate your word into our hearts. It would bring knowledge to our mind and wisdom to our minds that we might grow up into everything and all that we are to be in You. We pray this for Your glory. We pray this for the sake of Your kingdom. And we pray this because we belong to You. Amen, Lord Jesus. Those of you maybe who had the... um, opportunity to see the movie the apostle paul may remember a certain scene in that movie where um while paul was in prison uh the romans under the rule of nero were beginning the persecution of our elder brothers and sisters who are now with the lord but in that persecution in the Colosseum. They used to call it the circus, that uh, Christians were going to go to the circus. Really, it was a hyperbole for their execution in the Colosseum of Rome. And in this scene of this movie, there's the picture of a, a little girl talking to Luke. And she looks up at Luke and asks, will it hurt? And he says to her, yes, it will hurt for only a moment. And then there will be glory. It, it calls us this morning to consider the perseverance of our elder brothers and sisters in those first centuries of the establishment of the body of Christ on the earth and the price that was paid for us today to sit here in East Glenville in a nice air-conditioned, and uh, I guess in this case heated, I'm used to Florida, heated room, cozy, uh, with with comfortable seats for the most part and in great comfort. And I am curious, how did they persevere? And so this morning we want to look at the marks of perseverance. We're in the the series, The Marks of a Christian. And this morning we are going to talk about the mark of perseverance. As Paul said in the Galatian letter, he said, no one give me any trouble because I bear on my body the marks of Christ. And, and we too want to seek to bear the marks of Christ on our bodies as well. And what if we lived in that day, which we may live here in the near future, a day of we're truly persecuted physically for our faith. I wonder, could we persevere? Because I see the the trials that we go through, some of us are going through incredibly difficult things. And I, and I don't want to make light of that. And, and some of us have been through many difficult things. 
don't want to make light of that either. And there's been hard stuff in my own life that I would be insulted if someone made light of. And in, in those things that happen to us, it makes us beg and beckon the question of, does God care? How can I get through this if I don't know that God cares? How will I be able to get through any persecution that may come in the future to the church if I don't know that God cares? Well, these verses this morning shout out like a flashing neon light that we persevere because we do know God cares. That God is intimately involved in in our walk. I want you to look at these verses with me and and see this resounding yes of God's caring for us. And, And Paul says here in verse 12, he says, not only that I've already obtained all this, what is he talking about, obtained all this? What he's talking about is this glorious knowledge of being in the righteousness of Christ, of knowing Christ, of, of knowing that he is fully saved by Christ, that Christ has a, has a hold of his life and Christ is taking care of him. Paul says there's a truth about us, there's a truth about him, and therefore a truth about all believers, that we are signed and sealed and be, to be delivered into Christ. And no one can take that away from us. But... He's also saying there's more. There's so much more. He's saying, I haven't reached perfection yet, but perfection is to come. I haven't reached the pinnacle of what it means to walk in Christ, but that pinnacle is to come. There's a great hope ahead of me that causes me to persevere, to move through life. So that Paul will later say, I know the secret of being content. I've had plenty, I've had little, but I know the secret of being content. I know the secret of being able to press on and move forward. And it's this, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me because I know the goal of Christ for me. You see, when you and I know the goal of Christ for us as individuals, you and I also know the strength of perseverance. He goes on to say, not that I've already obtained all this, talking about being perfect, but he presses on to make it his own. He sees it out there. Paul perseveres for what he sees ahead of him. Because Christ, Jesus, has made me his own. Because Christ, Jesus has made me His own. That is the truth about every follower of Christ. That it's in that verse alone we have the certain knowledge that God cares. That there's not any place in your life, there's not any situation in your life or in my life where we ever have to wonder, does God care? Of course He does because you and I are His. Paul didn't see himself 
estranged from God. He didn't see himself as an island. He didn't see himself separated from God. No, he saw himself so united to Christ that he knew that Christ had ownership of his very life. That's the place that you and I must run when this life buffets us, when this life hits us, when we get knocked back a little bit and we feel like, I want to give up. I'm so tired of this. I just want to give up. That's the place we run to that says, no, I can't give up. Why? Because God owns me and God cares for me. Maybe, though, that isn't enough. So Paul goes on in verse 13. He says, Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but the one thing I do, I forget what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. And here it is. I press on towards the goal, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Another version puts it this way. I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Paul says the first point of this morning's message is this, that perseverance is a focused life. Focused on what is ahead of you and I in Christ Jesus. That we must stay that way. We must repent into being focused on this isn't all there is. That there's a great revelation yet to come. We get hints of what Paul's talking about through all of his letters, but I find great clarity in, in Jesus speaking to the seven churches in Revelation. And I see in Ephesus, what is it to come? What is it that God has in store for us? What has He got a hold of us? What has Jesus reached out and grabbed a hold of my arm as I've grabbed a hold of His, and what is He pulling us towards? Well, into the church of Ephesus, Jesus tells them plainly, Here's what it is. You who persevere to the end, you will have the right to eat from the tree of life. What an amazing gift of Christ that Jesus is pulling you and I along through history, along every step of our life to a place where we will sit with him and eat forever from the tree of life. To the church in Smyrna, he says this, I'm pulling you along to this end that at the judgment seat there'll be no fear for you. I'm bringing you before the very throne of God. I'm bringing you to not to condemn you, but to reward you and to give you a laurel that says you are good and faithful because I've been good and faithful to you. You're coming before the seat not to be punished, but to be received and honored as a great athlete. To the church in Pergamum, he says this, those who persevere will eat from the heavenly manna. You will be fed holy and rich food. To the church in Thyatira, he says this, you will have authority to sit with Christ over all the nations. To the church in Philadelphia, you will be with him eternally in an eternal home with a brand new name. That is an intimate name between him and you. To the church in Laodicea, he says, those who persevere will sit with me on my throne. 
Eternal life, the right to life, no harm at the judgment seat, heavenly fare and heavenly food, authority over the nations and all of those who persecuted us, and an eternal home with Christ with a brand new name to sit with Jesus on His throne forever. Christ has taken hold of you and me to give us that. He says stay focused on that. Understand where you're heading. Understand your destiny. Understand your purpose. And wear the mark of perseverance. Because if you do, this is what you receive. It's so easy to get distracted in this culture. It's so easy to get distracted by flesh. It's so easy to get distracted by power in the world. It's so easy to get distracted by the news. It's so easy to get distracted by all the outside elements that we seek to utilize to numb ourselves to a painful world. And the scripture says this, God cares so much about you that he has taken hold of you so that you don't have to numb yourself, but you may persevere being focused on what's ahead of you. This isn't all there is. There's so much more. And when you and I begin to understand that, we begin to see the bigger picture of what God is doing in the world. And in seeing the bigger picture of what God's doing in the world, we can focus on the smaller picture of what our part is in that. There's not one of us in here, not one of us in here, who follow Jesus, that He does not have a hold of you and ownership over you and is using you and utilizing you to make glory happen. You wonder your significance. You wonder your purpose. Your purpose is to be utilized for the glory of God. Sometimes we wonder about the person over on the other side of the church or in the other pew. What's their purpose? Their purpose is exactly the same. They are being utilized. They, have, they are owned by God. He has a hold on their life. And He's pulling them through their circumstances, with their pain, with their struggles, with their failures, in their lane, and pulling them to glory. We should be encouraging one another and praying for one another and lifting one another up. Because life is hard. If you don't think life is hard, you need to get out of the sand. Don't be surprised. It's supposed to be hard. It's because it's broken and it's fallen and you are broken and I am broken but Jesus has redeemed us and He has sealed us to be made perfect. And you may say, well, my life isn't all that broken and -and so-and-so's life is really broken. I know this. I know that whether your arm is broken in 13 places or in one place, you still have a broken arm. And God still cares about that broken arm. And God has still healed that broken arm. And God is going to have a perfect arm for you when the time is just right. But you must persevere in the faith. You and I must continue to walk towards the very end 
like Paul, we must press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me for. Aren't those really encouraging words to know that Jesus has a hold on you? Maybe you don't feel it. Maybe you've never thought of it that way. But in this moment, at this very space and time, Jesus literally has His hand on you, holding you and pulling you along to glory. The best is yet to come. Many of you may be familiar with the story of the older woman who was about to go home and be with the Lord. She called the pastor to her bedside and said, Pastor, I want to give you some instructions on my my service, what I would like. And then he teary-eyed said, Yes, ma'am, what what is it? She said, I want to be buried with a fork in my hand. He said, What? She said, If possible, I'd like to have a fork in my hand when, when I'm in the casket. And he said, well, why, why on earth would you want a fork in your hand? He said, because when I was a young woman, my, my grandmother would always take our plates into the kitchen and tell us, hold on to your fork because the best is yet to come. And normally it was devil food cake or ice cream, but something wonderful at the end of the meal, that was, which was a great lunch, a great meal, was to be capstoned by something even better. And she said, I want people, when they see the fork in my hand, to ask, what's up with the fork? And I want you to tell them, the best is yet to come. That you and I are in this life, and it's a good life at times, and it's a hard life most of the time. But hold on to your fork. Because Jesus has a hold on you, and the best is yet to come. That's what strengthens you and I. That's what encourages us as a church. That's what gives us the strength to go out and to serve the community outside those doors. It's what gives us the patience and the love to serve one another and to encourage one another and to build one another up because we realize this isn't all there is. This isn't all there is to Brad. This isn't all there is to you. We are going to be so much more. And even those loved ones that you're so concerned about, In Christ, they have a great destiny yet to come. Keep praying for them. Keep lifting them up. Keep walking with them. Keep encouraging them because the best is yet to come. We must persevere in a focused life of understanding the best is coming. But we must also persevere in growing up. It's time for some of us to begin the process of growing up. Paul says in the 15th verse, let those of us who are mature think this way. In other words, those of us who are growing up in Christ, let us let go of the things of this world and the wisdom of this world and start growing into the wisdom of Christ. To have our minds expand to understand we live in a spiritual world. That this earth is only an element of a more larger spiritual reality. You remember the words of our Lord, don't you? His kingdom is not of this world. And you and I as members of that kingdom must realize we're not of this world. We're 
in this world as ambassadors for the greater world. And everything that we do, from work to housekeeping to walking to relationships to friendships to missions to serving in the community, every aspect of our life is to be a life that is focused on explaining to others the best is yet to come. We're to give our hearts, our finances, our our joys, our tears, our efforts, our energy, our sweat, and our blood for the glory of the King and His kingdom. Our lives are to be consumed with the passion of denying that which is the flesh of this world and accepting the reality that we're meant for something greater and to point the way home to those who are lost. Paul says those who are mature, those who are growing up in Christ begin to let go of the elemental things of this world and hold on to the larger things. He says if any of you, I love this, I love this verse. If any of you think otherwise, get over it because God's going to reveal to you he's right. Get over yourself and get busy with Christ. God's going to reveal it to you somewhere along the road that your life has meaning and purpose, but the meaning and the purpose of your life is only found in what you're doing for Jesus. If your life and my life is consumed with myself and the accumulation of stuff just for me or the insulation of life just for me, then I'm going to be a miserable soul. And I find that to be true when I find myself down, when I find myself unhappy, when I find myself in pain or in trouble, and most of all, when I find myself angry, I find myself really focused on myself. But when my eyes turn to Jesus, I find my joy increasing. I find my energy elevating. I find my purpose and meaning in life expanding. And I find a, a energy and a vision that is far greater than anything I could have thought on my own for my own life. You see, it's the way we're designed as believers. Jesus would have you deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Him but where you're following Him to is not to some obscure place out in the desert. You're following Him to the throne. Don't forget who you are and don't forget where you're going and persevere. Grow up. This life is much bigger than you. and This life is much bigger than what you ever thought about. But in all of it, let us hold true to the gospel. Let us hold true to what we've already attained. Don't go back. Don't go back to your own efforts. Don't go back to living in your own power. Don't go back to thinking that you have to be your own Savior. Don't go back to some workspace plus Jesus. Stay in the cross. Stay in its shadow. Understand what Christ has done for you and me there and receive it as your very own and press on forward to that which He has accomplished by His death and His resurrection on your behalf on the cross. Don't we understand 
Jesus didn't die for himself. He didn't die to make a statement. He didn't die to be a character in history. He died because you and I needed him to die on our behalf. He came because he loved you and wanted to take hold of you that you might have all that he has. That you would persevere with him, that you would follow him in sickness and in health. How true it is that Jesus thinks of you and I as his bride. How appropriate in the wedding vows that we would say for richer or poorer. Weakness and strength, sickness and health, in good times and in bad times, I am yours. What a greater vow could the bride of Christ give to the groom of Christ? Jesus, I will love you. I will obey you in sickness and in health. For richer, for poorer, forevermore, I am yours. You see, that's the true grown-up bride of Christ. So we persevere with a focused life. We persevere in growing up. And then finally this morning, let us persevere in receiving future grace. Let us be an open-armed people receiving that which Christ has accomplished for us. Verse 17, Paul says this, Brothers, join me in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is their shame, with minds set on what? Earthly things. Is it appropriate that I would ask us, including myself, how much of my thoughts are consumed during the week with earthly things? How much of my calendar is filled with earthly things? How much of my checkbook do I balance with earthly things? How much of my fears and my worries and my anxieties are over earthly things? Paul says there's a different way to understand this. Your hope is not in your flesh. Your hope is not in earthly things. Your hope and my hope is in what He has accomplished for us on the cross. And that we are to be a people that live open-armed, receiving all that He has done on our behalf. That we live in the grace of its shadow. That we live as funnels and beneficiaries of the love that God lavishes on us and in us every day of every week, of every month, of every year until His return. We persevere in receiving this future grace because we realize in verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, 
we await a Savior, the Lord Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like His glorious body by the power he enables, that enables Him even to make all things subject to Him. Biblical truth some of us don't know is the body that you have right now is going to be glorified one day at the return of Christ. I'm going to be uh, with a six-pack one day. It's going to be glorious. Um, And I'm going to be able to walk through doors that have locks on them and eat fish just like Jesus did. Because I'm going to have a body that's glorified in the same way that Christ's body at His ascension is glorified. We will too receive glorified bodies. When you look in the mirror this afternoon, say to yourself with a big smile, this isn't it. The best is yet to come. He has a hold of me. The Scriptures teach us something very clearly. To be absent from the body, to be out of this body, is to be present with Christ. So that at the return of Christ, in that flash and in that twinkling of the eye, you and I will receive glorified bodies to rule with Him, to taste food with Him, to taste wine with Him, to walk with Him, to hear Him call our new name out, to hear Him tell us that He loves us, to tell us that it was well done, good and faithful servant, to hold our hands, to put an arm around us, to wipe tears out of our eyes. That these are real bodies that we're going to have, very similar to the body you have now, except perfect and glorified. And they're made for one purpose and one purpose only, that you and I might behold the glory of God and to be in His presence and have the ability to stand there. Don't let go of your fork. The best is yet to come. Let's pray.